Michigan Short Track Racing Authority is Horsepower Happening. Curtis Roberts, welcome to Horsepower Happening. The Northport, Florida driver, Danny Sams III, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Travis Stemler, welcome to Horsepower Happening. Steve Irwin, welcome into Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Director of Race Operations for the ASA Stars National Tour, Joe Ballas, welcome. Over 50 years of industry experience, from behind the wheel to behind the microphone. Here comes Stambaugh into turns three and four. Stambaugh to the lift. Stambaugh sideways. Greg Dolman wins. Yeah, guys, wholesale uh, right side tire changes. That that seems to be the decision. All down mode. Exclusive interviews every week. Hear from drivers, track owners, series promoters, and so much more. You know, after about eight hours of months in medical center, they uh, they were pretty adamant about me staying out of the car for quite a while. It'll be at least my first stab at driving a race car that I haven't prepared from end to end, that I'm not calling the shots on, all of that, all at once. Plus, local news, analysis, and opinions you didn't ask for. She is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment there at Anti Camp and Racing that money can buy. This points fund is massive. These races are massive. These are some of the most high-paying races in the country. From the north side towing of St. John's Studio, presented by CNT Services, here are Zach Heiser and Rich France. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into Horsepower Happenings on a beautiful Monday night. Hopefully, you can still count to 10. Uh, hopefully you had a very good Independence Day holiday. Let's get into it. A big show tonight. Lots of people to talk to. So here's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. NASCAR this weekend at Atlanta and at Mid-Ohio. The Cup Series and Xfinity Series at Atlanta Motor Speedway. What a cool tribute yesterday if you missed it. Find it on the internet. Uh, the Cup Series paced the field with Kevin Harvick in his current number four and the car that he picked up his first ever win in, the number 29, which of course was three weeks after Dale Earnhardt's tragic death. He won there at Atlanta. Richard Childress drove that car while Harvick was in his number four. It was a really cool thing, gave me goosebumps, uh, really awesome. Rain shortened race at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Willie B, William Byron gets the win over Daniel Suarez. Xfinity Series. How about John Hunter Nemechek? He took his number 20 Toyota to Victory Lane at Atlanta. Then Mid-Ohio, the uh, sports car course, Corey Heim went to Victory Lane in his number 11 ahead of Zane Smith and Christian Eckes. Elsewhere, what's happening? Oh, man, there's a lot going on elsewhere in the motorsports world, uh, including with uh, the, uh, the, the folks with the Hell Tour. How about Brian Shirley? He bests the Farmer City field for a $10,000 payday. The squirrel goes to Victory Lane. Ashton Winger picked up a pair of Hell Tour victories this week as well. Drake, uh, Drake Troutman, $10,000 richer this week after a big win. Brady Bacon went to Victory Lane at Macon Speedway for uh, his big cash-in as well. And those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing pretty good today. Didn't we have fun on Saturday? I tell you what, it was. Uh, we kind of laughed about this with Brian uh, Bergaker. We're going to talk to him coming up here in just a moment. We said, uh, we, we both of our races got canceled on Saturday. You sent me a text about 1230. He said, are you going to the Clash? And I said, well, I was thinking about it, so that pretty much solidified where we were going this weekend, didn't it? Yeah, it's been such a long time because, you know, that it's on the same, since they moved it uh, off of the Thursday night when they used to have it with Champion Racing Association, um, it's hard to make it there because I, I it just has to work out to where Flat Rock gets rained out and Kalamazoo doesn't, and it was just the perfect storm right no pun intended uh that it worked out that way and we were able to go and we saw some great racing all night long it, it really was and i i tell you what too i haven't 
it's been a long time since I've been to Kalamazoo, and it was fun. I took my wife, and we just kind of partially, right? I partially worked with you, partially went fan mode for uh, The Clash, and, and it was really good. Speaking of which, I don't know if this is in your story or not, but I want to personally say congratulations to Ricky LaDuke, who picked up the street stock portion of things. Um, him and I did some iRacing stuff together, and that was a darn good street stock race that he got the win in. So uh, I want to say congratulations to Ricky there for sure. But, Rich, uh, you got a great big thing prepared here. The Kalamazoo Clash was a good one for number 31 on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. And and I did include Ricky. I wanted to make sure I include everybody uh, from the clash in this week's story. So after dodging spotty rain showers and storms on Saturday, Zach, Kalamazoo Clash 31 took place at Kalamazoo Speedway. Uh, and like I said, we were able to attend that together. So and it didn't disappoint. Uh, everything kicked off with the temple template late model 75 lap cat clash paying $5,000 to win uh, for most of the event. It looked like as if Jeff Gannis was going to grab the big payday, but Zach, that's why you got to run all of them. Like we say, right. Uh, but on a late race restart, Gannis seemed to have handling issues on his five machine, allowing 12 time Kalamazoo speedway track champion, Andy Bozell to work underneath Gannis popular win. Uh, then it was on to the Raver rumble for the street stocks, 50 laps for them. Another 5K on the line, Zach. And this one looked like it was going to be Buddy Head early in line to grab the payday. But uh, through multiple caution flag incidents inside the top 10, it would be Ricky LaDuke bringing home the big, big payday. And now I'll just give you a chance on those first two races. Uh, what did you think? Because that got us started off pretty cool. I thought it was, you know, the, the street stock race, I really didn't know how that was going to play out. I, I had kind of thought maybe keep an eye on Austin Maynard. You thought maybe keep an eye on Brock Gannis. We were both out to lunch. Uh, Austin cut a tire. Uh, Brock had some early issues as well. And I, I, I tell you what, down toward the end of that street stock race, man, Ricky LaDuke put it on the outside and just committed. Uh, he had some big company on his inside. I, I apologize. I don't remember the driver he was battling with for that win. But, Rich, you remember it came down to the end, and it was a quarter panel's difference at the start-finish line uh, for that street stock race. And then that template race, um, that one that one was kind of an edge of your seater. A lot of caution flags and a lot of restarts. And I was, I was with you. I thought that Jeff had that race won. I thought there was no way that Andy Bozell – uh, was going to be able to make the bottom of the racetrack work. And um, I was I was watching something else when Andy took the lead, and, and I kind of came back too, and I thought, how in the heck did the 56 car get the lead? And, and you had to give me the recap on that. I never thought that Bozell was going to be able to make the bottom work like that. Yeah, that, and, and the only reason that happened is something on that five car went away. I don't know if he had a tire going down, if it was a, a right rear tire or a right front tire, but that car just going to the corner would not turn. And – when you have a car that won't turn at Kalamazoo Speedway and you're giving the whole bottom up, uh, you're probably not, you're probably short for the lead. And, and that's what happened. And, and Andy drove, drove it down to the bottom, drove by him. And, um, you know, nobody else, nobody else could get by Gannis and, 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 and Gannis was done by that point. And probably a race too, that Kenny had would like to have back. I, I really thought that Kenny, if he'd have done something different on the restart in 26, maybe had something for Jeff, but I, I think he ended up cutting a tire as well and kind of limped at home. Yeah, he, he was leading for such a long time, and you were asking me who's going to win. I said, I don't know if that 26 is going to win. I'm just watching the cars behind him. Yeah, and then you and said, I don't even know if this five is going to win. <laughs> yeah, right. But, so, that, but that's the way it is out there, man. A great race, and, you know, they all, all, everybody involved uh, in those two events, they did a great job. Uh, 
and it was just a perfect prelude uh, for the 125 coming up, you know? Yeah, yeah it was. And uh, also, too, I was glad that we were able to uh, get a chance to go back pit side afterwards. So, obviously, uh, Andy got the win in the template. I don't know that I've ever seen Andy Bozell pick up a win in a template car, to be honest with you. He doesn't race those very often. No, I was there uh, at Corrigan Auto Speedway when he picked up a win. He picked one up there. Um, I don't know if it was on a special night. I think it was on a special night. But I remember he picked up a win in that same race car at Corrigan Auto Speedway. So, but, Zach, then it was on to the Kalamazoo Clash 31 for the Outlaw Super Late Models. Fifteen grand on the line. Uh, Jeff Gannis would start on the, on the pole, and he would take the lead, lead the field to green and would pace the field early. But as they say, Zach, all good things must come to an end. Brian Bergacre stormed to the front, uh, working by Gannis relatively easily, caught an early caution, uh, would take out potential challengers Steve Needles, Harold Fair Jr., and Mark Schutt. So we thought, Zach. Uh, while Needles would not return, Fair would eventually retire from the event. Uh, Shook would barely make it out of the pits for the restart, more than half a lap behind the field as the green flag flew, and that's when the show started. Mark Shook would set his 14 machine on go, catching the field, making his way back to the front, mostly, Zach, without the help of the caution flag. Uh, then late in the race, Shook would work by Phil Bozell to take over the second spots, and then he set his sights on Burgaker. The, the two battled through lap traffic with Bozell in tow, putting on a great show for the fans. But in the end, Burgaker would hold off Shook for his first ever Kalamazoo Clash win. Bozell would bring home a solid third place finish. And Zach, I caught up with Phil to debrief his 125 laps. Back in the pit area following the Kalamazoo Clash and uh, caught up with your third place finisher, Phil Bozell. Man, talk about tonight. Um, really turned out to be a nice night. You moved up to third awfully early. Uh, and you just kind of hang there. Take me through your first part, first half of your race. Yeah, the start of the race, the car was really, really good, better than I expected, and uh, got to the front quicker than I wanted to, really. I mean, and I got to Brian, and I actually drove underneath him once, and I'm kind of regretting not driving by him when I could have there because I actually showed him a fender, and he, he lit the wick a little bit, and I thought he was going to burn him off, and I, I let him go, and uh, just... The last couple cautions never never got back to me again, and I, I regret that mistake there. Car was fast. Uh, Brian was fast. Uh, Mark was fast. It's pretty cool to see Brian win a big race. I'm friends with all of them, a lot of my family. My wife's family works on that car, so uh, congrats to them, guys. That's awesome. They've been running good, but uh, we had a hot rod. I mean, it was just these cars are so aero-sensitive, and people don't probably understand that, but when I got right behind them, I got too tight. If I could have got around him, I think I could have drove away from him, but uh, it's just product of this racing. Uh, all in all, good night. Um, I hope the fans saw some good races tonight. There was a packed house. That was great to see. Uh, and just a decent night. We're in one piece, and uh, go to Owasso next week for another one. Take us through the middle of the race. It looked like you weren't letting Brian get away at all, but you weren't making up in any ground. Were you trying at that point just to get maybe the last 50 laps maybe saved just a little bit? Yeah, I was actually, like I said, I drove underneath him there with one of the lap cars, and uh, I could tell he lit the wick and he was going, so I was just trying to pace myself with him, just uh, just kind of go with him, hoping I had a little bit there, and then Mark got me on that restart, and uh, I, I just got too aerotight with the two cars right in front of me. Uh, I could get back to him to lap traffic because I was better in traffic than they were. I'd get right back to him and get back in open track, and uh, they'd drive away from me a little bit. So uh, we were just off a little bit. Uh, I'll take the third place. Like I said, we'll, uh, we'll no, no marks on the car. We'll uh, go back, get it ready for Wasso, and go at another one. Caught up with your car owner, Tony. It was great seeing him for the first time in a long time. Tell me, else, tell me uh, who else also makes this possible for you, man. 
Well, Tony's the main one. Uh, if this wasn't for him, uh, I, I wouldn't know what I'd be doing, to be honest with you. It's, it's great to have his support. Uh, we became best friends. We talk every day. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. He gives us whatever we need. Um, so he's the main one. Uh, performance racing en- engineering, their racing engines are phenomenal. We've been working on this program for a long time, and they, they listen. We work with each other. They built some awesome, awesome horsepower. Um, Amsoil by Dan Nance. Um, best lubricants you can get. Um, next generation lawn care. A buddy of mine, Jeff, he uh, he helps us out whenever he can. Fuel in the hauler. Uh, Am- or RNN Sport Truck, FK Rod Ends, Outerwares, Lane Automotive, All Star Performance, Purity Cylinder Gases. Uh, there's there's a lot of them on here. Plus all the friends and family. This is just a big group. We love to work on race cars. We have fun, and uh, that's what it's all about. Phil, great seeing you. Nice run. Thank you. Appreciate it. While Burgaker would pace the field for most of the event, Shook gave the fans a show with his performance. And, uh, Zach, you and I caught up with Mark to get his thoughts. Well, standing by with a guy who probably has mixed emotions right now, Mark Shook, second place here. After the night you had in this Kalamazoo clash, Mark, I mean, you got to be at least pretty proud of you and your team's efforts to get back up to second. I know you'd like to win. You, at one point, probably arguably had the best car on the racetrack. Talk about those 125 laps and kind of everything you went through. Uh, well, like you said, it was definitely mixed emotions because at first, you know, we're on cloud nine really fast, qualify first, and then we're five, maybe we're 25 laps into the run, and, you know, uh, something happened, the guy gets squirrely, everybody checks up, ended up hitting the back of Andy and really kind of set us back and, uh, you know, I was thankful enough to be able to pull in and uh, these guys, you know, Bart and everybody, D- Dave, Zach, we all... They all busted ass and were able to get the fender on, the windshields busted, the suspensions twisted, and uh, still come out here and still say, yeah, I think I had the fastest car on the track still. As, uh, I mean, it just tells the testament of our team and uh, just get them next time. You, you, they say sometimes a bent race car is faster than a straight one. You said the suspension's <laughs> twisted on this thing. Did you know, I mean, so you actually came out of the pits half a lap down. They were coming to green. Did you know instantly that you still had a rocket ship underneath you? No, I really was going to take those first few laps. I wanted to drive it hard to see if it, everything was going to stay apart. And it actually drove decent, so I was like, I might as well just finish this up because uh, there was a lot of race left. So, And usually, you know, these bigger races, a lot of a lot of it's a battle of nutrition. So, you know, you figure that some of these guys were going to pull in, but a lot of the guys actually stayed out there, and we had to work our way from the back to the front, and uh, which made it uh, exciting, hopefully for the fans and stuff. But definitely a little exciting behind the wheel. Wish it was a little bit calmer situation, but uh, it worked out all right. So. Take me up to the point where you finally get by Phil, and now you're just looking at Brian. Um, it looked to me like you didn't have any race car left at that point. It, you just you had to use it all up to get where you were. Um, you kind of got a couple blinks when Brian's working his way through traffic. He had a problem. You got closed up on him, but did you really have anything left for him at the end, do you think? Um, maybe on a late restart, you know, I think, like, like I said, I definitely used up uh, what I could to get through the field. And, you know, every time I get behind Brian, I just pick up this big arrow push, and it was real hard to, you know, obviously maneuver when, when the front end's pushing like that. So it, it would have been a battle, but, you know, Brian had, you know, he, he was you know good at the end, but, you know, I feel like, you know, we were just a little bit better. Uh, if we just get, didn't get in that accident, it would have been a different ball game. I know everybody wants to end up out there where Brian is, but, man, tell me uh, tell me everybody who makes this possible for you. Oh, definitely Borden Brooks, Triple B Fab. He's the main guy. He puts a heart and a soul in it. 
and uh, you know without him I wouldn't be here uh, also got rescued metals um, they're an awesome sponsor I picked up last year and they're great partners with me uh, max sports timing uh, Irwin engines uh, rocket uh, uh, fabrication suspension Tyler he's got the best shocks in, in the business um, uh, SWT excavating uh, cloverleaf lawn maintenance aero carpet cleaning uh, sweet manufacturing uh, crosstown auto uh, without all those guys I, I wouldn't be here this is normally we would wrap the interview up but I had one more thing I wanted to ask you about for your race and that is you made a decision toward the end after that restart where you started alongside Brian I know she went to the bottom of the racetrack and I thought that was very interesting because you had made I'm gonna say 95% of your passes on the outside and I thought you were faster than Brian on the outside what led you to go to the bottom there toward the end uh, well, actually, I chose the top. I chose... Right. You chose the top for the restart, but then I noticed you tucked oh, in line and started running the bottom, okay. you know, yeah, right, as, right. as the race went on. Um, I was just really just trying to see, if, you know, what, what line was better, if I could catch them. Because, uh, like I said, I was picking up that push, so every time I get behind them, I, it, I have a really hard time making, you know, making it through uh, the exit of the corner. So I was really just trying to keep up, stay out of his wind a little bit, and uh, to see if I can do something. All right, man. Cool. Well, hey, runner up after, you know, going to the back half a lap down you guys should be very proud so congratulations man i appreciate it guys thank you and picking up the wind kalamazoo is not strange territory for andy bozell of course after picking up the template late model win 12 time would bring home a fourth place finish in the nightcap and uh, zach you and i caught up with andy to debrief his evening well back in the pit area following the kalamazoo clash and we're with a gentleman uh picked up a pick up a big win tonight probably not the one you really wanted uh andy bozell but uh Late template late model race, man, you brought it home first. Man, you had a pretty good car all night long. Yeah, we did. Um, that was a fun race. Uh, we were a little off qualifying, started 11th, and car was really free, so I figured I'd just try to save the front tires and maybe stay on the bottom at the end of the race, and the guys kept giving me the bottom every restart, and, and sooner or later I, I figured it out how to get through three and four and get some good drive up off the corner and, and made it work. That last restart, we saw, that, like you mentioned, gave you the bottom. It really didn't look like you had anything for Guinness you know on the what? bottom the restart before. But, you know, you get that restart with six to go, I think it was. Yep. And I don't know, we were talking about it in the stands, if Guinness pushed high or if, like you said, you just got such a good drive on the bottom. But I looked up, and all of a sudden, the 56 has the lead, and you were pulling away from him. This was a really good piece late. Yeah, it was. It was. And, uh my only hope was I was loose the whole race, so I wanted to keep the front tires under the car. I think everybody else was tight loose, so they burned up both ends of the car, and I had a little bit left there at the end and still had enough traction to drive up off the bottom. So uh, it worked out. Uh, Doug Lane lets me race this car every once in a while. Barton Brooks from Triple B Fabrication put a whole body on it and everything, got it ready to race, and had some motor troubles last night. Didn't think we were going to be able to make it. Got it put back together, so everything worked out. <laughs> now we move. Now we move on to the outlaw race, and... Just pretty steady all night. I guess probably by your standards, not an overly fast car, but it was consistent all all 125 laps. Yeah, we struggled earlier. Car didn't have absolutely zero traction in it, and we uh, made some wholesale changes before the race. I didn't know what I was going to get, but uh, when the race started, it was it was it was decent. It was it wasn't good. Um, Brian, Markey, and Phil they were they were better than me. But uh, mid part of the race, I thought I had a little bit of something for him, and I just faded a little bit. But solid run. We'll we'll take a top four and we'll go from there and how close it was to that 125 lapper ending early talk about turn two because it looked like that was kind of a blind pile up for a lot of you guys what did you see coming through the center of the corner well i uh 
there was a couple different ones there. Uh, the first one there, Steve Needles there was digging under Harold Ferrer there a little bit, and uh, they come together and turned him around. That was the first one. And then the second one, Adam Terry was working on a lap car there. Lap yeah. car was kind of kind of one giving him too much room there. So uh, Adam put the bumper to him and and uh, um, took the hit for it because the guy turned around. So um, that was that was where a lot of the spinouts were tonight for sure. But that one at the exit of two, I think you actually got turned around and picked up some damage in that one, didn't you? Um, well, I, that's the one that uh, needles turned yeah, Harold right. around there, and that yeah. was just hard racing for position there. And uh, um, I really couldn't get through it, so I just turned it to the right, and I don't think I got. Too much okay, damage, good. so so the car the car was all right. Um, I don't think anybody got into me too bad, so we survived the melees out of turn two and brought home in fourth. So <laughs> Andy, pretty good night. Uh, talk about the people that help you out on both these cars. You can give them a shout out. Oh yeah, um, you know uh, Doug Lane. This is his car, the Sportsman car, and our, our regular crew. You know does all the work on it. Phil, Ron Fink, Miner, Matt Marshall, everybody pitches in to to keep these things going. Um, Harding's Friendly Market, All-Star Performance, Don Sapanis, Attorney at Law, Potter's Cannabis Boutique, uh, Caleb Grimes, Attorney at Law, Next Generation Lawn Care, All-Star Performance, the, the list goes on. And, and uh, you know, you you got to have real fat pockets or you got to have a lot of good friends and sponsors to get it done nowadays. Andy, solid night, my friend. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, Zach, we had a good time out at Kalamazoo Speedway and uh, on the phone lines now. So happy for this gentleman. He picked up his first ever Kalamazoo Clash win on Saturday after over 20 years of trying, probably <laughs> over 25, I think. Uh, Brian Bergacre, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Thanks, guys. Appreciate having me on. Man, we, we got to talk a little bit before the race, and and I'll, I'm going to get right into it. We talked about the big inverts, and it didn't happen like it usually does there. Um, did that surprise you, and were you kind of elated about that? Yeah, actually, I was pretty surprised about that. Usually, I, I feel like, and, and no, no knock on Kalamazoo, I feel like it's rigged. They always want, like, an 18 inversion, you know. They want that big inversion there. Um, and, and Mark Shook had fast time, and he rolled a 10. I'm proud of him. You know, that, that's not usually my style. I usually roll big inversions. Um, but, yeah, it was nice to have a 10, and I, I've never started that close to the front of a class. <laughs> now, you – and the reason I asked that is because right out of the gate, it looked like you were in a hurry to get to the front and it didn't take you too long to get there. Um, yeah, actually I wasn't in a hurry. Um, I just kind of got lucky. I got by a few guys early. Um, and I was kind of trying to just pace myself, save my tires, not, not push the car too hard. And, you know, we had that caution and I was sitting forth, you know, early in the race and I knew Gannis was going to go on the top and I'm like, well, if I go hard here for a couple laps, I'll get in a second and then we can, you know, kind of make pace. And I did that. I got, you know, got around Phil and I got around to Adam and got in a second and was kind of riding there. And, you know, Jeff was a little tight and he was doing the you know, diamond in the racetrack a little bit. And I'm like, well, I think if I go here, I can get out in clean air and that'll be probably be better. And, you know, I went probably 75, 80% and, you know, got clear of him and then got out in clean air and then just kind of started, you know, pacing myself and, and setting the pace of the race. And, you know, it's probably a smart move on my part to get there before anybody else did because, you know, the, the 14 car shook, he's fast, Phil's fast. You know, if, if they'd have got out front, I don't know if we could have passed them, you know. Um, it would have been a good race, but, I, you know, it's just that clean air is so big. You know, for me, I'm lucky. It's a good year if I get to Kalamazoo at least once a year. So I don't know exactly how the race craft is always playing out, but I thought it was intriguing that when you were catching lap traffic, uh, Brian, it almost it was pretty inconsistent where you were going to have to deal with them. And for fans who don't know, one of the 
unique things about Kalamazoo is no spotters. So you don't have, you know, back markers who know the leaders are coming necessarily and know what line you're running. So I thought it was intriguing. You'd catch guys and have to go around the, them on the outside. You'd catch other guys. They would be running the outside. You'd have to go to them to the low side. I mean, Rich and I looked at each other a couple of times when, when you or Mark or somebody would split people going into the corner, like diving under one guy, taking the nose off of another one. And I mean, I lost count of how many times the leaders almost wrecked themselves off of lap cars. Was it that intense inside the cockpit as it did, as it looked like from the grandstands? Absolutely. <laughs> That's um, kind of what was, I figured. <laughs> um, it, it's not normally like that. Um, they, you know, we do have race savers there. So the tower talks to you and they do tell the, the back markers that the leader's coming to hold the line. Basically, they don't tell you where to go. They just tell you to hold the line. Um, and I feel like, you know, they did that for some of the guys. And then some of the guys is like, you get to them. Um, you know, I'm not picking on Michael Thayer here, but when I got the, the 14 car a couple of times, Michael Thayer, they didn't tell him I was there, you know, um, yeah. and I can hear it. And, and, you know, they just didn't tell him I was there. So I knew when I got to him, he didn't know I was there. So I had to make myself known that, Hey, I'm here. Do you have to do that kind of a bonsai move and get in there? You know, no fault of his, but, you know, some guys got told and some guys didn't, you know, and that's, that's the fault of the racetrack. It's really, you know, if you're going to tell some guys, you should tell all of them, you know. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was definitely intense. There was a time where I came out of turn two and I passed the guy on the outside, went underneath the guy going into three and jumped outside of a guy coming out of four all in one lap. It's like, holy cow, this is crazy. <laughs> well, that's the way it looked from the grandstands, too. And take me also, I, I want to know, take me inside the helmet a little bit for you, Brian. How do you balance risk versus reward of waiting for the opportunity to make that move? I mean, we talk about this all the time when Rich and I are broadcasting races about catching a guy at a bad spot in a race to try to put him a lap down. How do you balance that of, you know, you, you mentioned the 14 car, maybe not knowing that you were there. How do you balance the decision to dive bomb him in the corner and get him behind you versus the potential outcome that, you know, he doesn't know you're there. Maybe he tries to take the line and you guys collide. And then that third uh, variable is, okay, now am I letting second place get, get too caught up to me where I might potentially lose the lead? Yeah, I always have like a, a two-corner rule, personally. Um, if I can't get past the lap car in two corners, you know, then I feel like I need to, to do something a little bit more aggressive. Um, sometimes it doesn't play out like that. You know, we do have, you know, crew guys, you know, trying to let us know where the gap is and how big of a gap we have with hand signals and stuff like that. But it's not super effective. You know, you don't you don't really know what, what his hand signals mean. Is it two car links? Is it three car links? Is it half a car length you don't really know you know um you're kind of guessing at that um but yeah you know for me it's a two-corner thing you know late late in the race i caught a lap car and he was running running a different line completely than everybody else and he kept cutting me off down the straightaways and finally i just bonsided in there going into one and and got next to him and kind of run him up the hill out of two it's like i'm not losing this race to a lap car you know um if we hit we hit that's kind of how how i thought about it at that point and i think that was like kind of go and, and both are off at that point for me you know for the class so it's it's game on let's go brian normally when we talk to the winner you know it, it, he is the show of the race usually because he's done such a great job but early in the race uh, a couple of top 10 cars harold fair jr mark shook have problems caution comes out they both have to pit um Mark Shook makes they both they both make it back out, but Mark Shook comes back out and puts on a show getting to the front. Did you have any idea that he was coming and what was going on behind you? 
No. No. I knew Phil was there. You know, I knew uh, Phil in the eight car, he was there. Um, you know, I, I kind of get lost because, you know, you got Needles in a 14 car, you got Michael Thayer in a 14 car, and you got Shook in a 14 car. So when you look at the board, it could be Needles. It, you know, he's a tough competitor. It could be Shook. It could be whoever. I didn't know Mark Shook had to fit. Oh. I did not see that. I didn't see him come on the, go off the racetrack. I didn't see him come back on the racetrack. I saw the pileup in turn two, but I didn't see him in that pileup. You know, so like I didn't know he had to pit. I didn't know anything. You know, so for him to come from the back, you know, that's a, a great feat. I've done that myself and finished second, so I feel a pain <laughs> a little bit, you know. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that all happened. And, you know, quite frankly, with like 40 to go, I stopped looking at the board. I just was focusing on my line, what I was doing, what I had to do. And, you know, when, when the white flag came out, that's what I was worried about, you know, get to that last lap and, and finish the race, you know. Um, kind of funny. I didn't see the checker flag. Oh man! So I made I made another full lap at speed because I saw the white flag, but then they never threw the checkered for me. Um, I thought maybe they threw the lap too soon, so I made another whole lap at speed because I was like, I'm not giving this away <laughs> because they made a mistake, you know. So um, I made another full lap at speed because I never saw the checkered flag. <clears throat> yeah, we talked. We talked to Mark, and he's to be honest with you, to to, to enlighten you, he basically and and. I alluded this to Zach during the race. Mark was getting all his passes. He had to do it all on his own and wasn't getting a whole lot of help with the cautions. I think one helped him gain a little um, position on the track, taking up gaps and and kind of getting closer to the top five. But most of all his passes, I mean, it wasn't because he got he was running by himself and needed a caution to catch up to the next guys. But he, he said once he got by Phil, he just got so aerotight behind you that uh, he doesn't know if he could have done anything different uh, to try and get by you. Yeah, and that's tough. You know, the, the, the bodies we run on these things these days are definitely aerodynamic, and, you know, that aerotite is definitely a thing. Um, and sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. It just depends on your body and, and how it's hung and, and what, what you got going on, you know. And, and I'm guaranteeing you, on his way back up to that pack, he was using more tire than I was. Sure. You know, he was using more race car, more tire. He was trying harder. He was mad. I'm sure I've been in his position, <laughs> you know, so he was, he was using a lot more car than I was using riding around out front, you know? So I want to ask you how, uh, and, and fans may have been introduced to this for the first time. Um, how does the madhouse restarts affect, uh, how stressful is it? And, and really I think about two, those final restarts that we had kind of there in the closing, I'll say the last 50 laps, what is that thought process like for you? I mean, obviously, when you're, uh, you know, probably fifth and further back, you're probably looking at, and I'm just assuming here, you're probably looking at which line has the least amount of cars or who's in what line and how your car's running. But as the leader, is there any sort of calculation or any sort of consideration looking at the scoreboard when you're getting ready for that Madhouse restart which or the choose uh, cone? Or do you just put that car on the bottom because you know that's where it's going to run? Um, there's a lot that goes into that for me. Um, you know, I, I wish that we could do this at flat rock sometimes. <laughs> um, oh, okay. You know, um, just because I think it would make for a little bit better racing, a little bit better restarts. Um, but there's a lot that goes into that for me. Um, and it depends on who it is. Right. So I, I passed Jeff Gannis under green. Um, and, and Jeff is a very good race restarter, like hands down, probably one of the best guys I know of that can restart a race. Right. 
I will never give Jeff Gannis the outside lane on a replay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it don't matter how bad my car is in the outside lane, I am not giving him that lane because he is going to pass you every single time. You know, so... But how do you address it when I mean you when you I mean it's like pick your poison right when you got when you got Mark and Phil there it's like what do you do you you can't block you can't uh, you can't block them both at the same time you you can't you're right and you know and to be honest with you the outside lane at Kalamazoo is really good um, if your car's good on the bottom you're going to be good on the top it might get a little bit snugger on the top but you get a good runoff. Um, and if you can pin that guy down on the bottom, it takes his, his turn away from the middle of the corner. If you can get right on his door, pin him down, it takes a turn away. He can't motor like you can. He can usually get up off the corner and beat him to the next corner. You know, for me, it just depends on who it is. And, you know, if Mark Shook was in second, you know, with that last restart, that would have been a tough decision because Mark is really good on the bottom. Um, I think between the two of us, I, we probably had the two best cars on the bottom. You know, um, so that would have been a tough decision, but I feel like I still probably would have picked the top even then. You know, Rich informed me, second longest outlaw super late model race in the state of Michigan as far as lap count is concerned. Um, and, you know, probably pretty close to being, you know, if you looked at how, how actual many miles or whatever you raced, uh, maybe one of the longest outlaw super late model races in the state. But I'm not good at math, so I can't figure that out right now. But how about this? You know, you, you guys probably don't normally have to think so much about tire conservation um, in these cars because those races are a little bit shorter on a weekly basis. 125 laps, Kalamazoo Speedway, you're turning almost the entire time. Um, were you in any sort of tire conservation mode at all, or do you get out front and just try to set a pace? I mean, uh, how hard is that to do to try to make sure you got something left for the end but also set a pace that is going to you know keep your competition behind you and not get them eager to get around you? I feel like every time you're leading, there's tire conservation. Okay. Um, you know, it don't matter where you're at, it's tire conservation. If you're out front, you run your own line, you're not trying to pinch underneath somebody, you're not trying to dive outside of somebody, you're saving tires. Um, whether that's, you know, the right thing to do for every race, probably not, you know, but I also feel like you can conserve tires and you can run your own line. You don't have to worry about, you know, anybody else being in your way unless you're catching a lap car or something like that. So, you know, tire conservation is always there. And, and I'm not going to say I was, you know, when, when we got into the lead there, I, I rode for a while, you know, probably 20, 30, 40 laps, you know, just kind of not, not abusing the tires, trying to save the car, you know, for, for the end of the race, you know, save as much as you possibly can, but also maintain that lead, you know? So. Brian, I, I got to ask, you know, that's, that, that's a huge win going into the month of July that you have. Um, you got reveal the hammer for $10,000 coming up this weekend followed by one that you're very familiar with, uh, the Stanley Memorial 150. Um, we know you're confident that what your confidence level is at Flat Rock, but does, does this help you through this month of July where you could really have a month like you've never had? It definitely does. You know, um, I, I think anytime you're winning, <laughs> you know, you're on top of your game, you're winning. You know, we've had that with both cars this year. You know, the Modified's been extremely good. We won the race at first run with that. We finished second at Flat Rock. We finished second at Kalamazoo with the Mod. You know, we've had a great year with both cars. Anytime you're running up front winning, you have huge confidence, right? So you go to the next race, and, and you're going to have that swagger. You're going to have that, you know, we can do this. We can win this race. And that always helps, you know. And no matter where you go, that's going to help, you know. Um, Owasso, for me, I'm a little underpowered for Owasso, even though – we set the track record and set fast time last time, but 
you know, it's really tough to pass there without without motor. So that's that's going to be a tough one to win at Owasso. But, you know, we feel good about the Mott for Friday night at Calum too, you know. And then you got the Stan Yee coming next week, which we have a really good package for Flat Rocks, you know. And I feel like we can win that race as well. I gotta, I gotta ask you about this that uh, Jason Seltzer posted, um, and I'm sure that your social media right now is just completely overrun, and you haven't had time to see anything. But um, I gotta know if this is true, and kind of put it into words for us here on Horsepower Happenings. Um, Jason tells me, and I'll condense it down, or, or at least put it on social media, that someone asked you about how much money it paid to win the Kalamazoo Clash, and your response was more about the hardware. Uh, the, and, uh, the, the quote here is, three of the most beautiful trophies you can find. Is that, I mean, is it more about what the Clash is than about the money? I mean, obviously the money makes the world go around. It's huge in our sport. You can't do anything in our sport successfully without deep pockets and without that support, but... Is it really? Is it more about what the thirty-one years of this history of this event is, and what those trophies signify? Uh, for me, hands down, yes. They would pay a dollar, and I'd show up and spend that kind of money to do it. Why is you that? Know, I mean, uh, what, what is what is it about that, and and those and the hardware and the history? I mean, what what is it about all that that you would do that for for practically nothing? You know, it's 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 it's. For me, it's the ultimate race. The Clash for me is the ultimate race. That's the one I've always wanted to win ever since I was a kid. You know, I went to the very first race as a kid, and watched Andy Bozell win that race. You know, I just raced against Andy Bozell in race number 31. <laughs> you, you know, like, that's that, that's the kind of race, you know, that there's top-notch people win that race. You know, the, the best of the best win that race. Yeah. For me, and I grew up at Kalamazoo. I grew up watching racing at Kalamazoo. My dad raced at Kalamazoo. That's just the race for me. Um, it wouldn't have mattered, you know, I wanted those two trophies, you know, I won in 2008, I won a modified class and it really, you know, you're not going to say it didn't mean anything, but we didn't go there to win. We went there to kind of, you know, it paid a lot of money to start. We didn't buy tires. We just started <laughs> with old race tires and we won the race. Like we had second quick and won the race. You know, there was a big pile up early in the race and I got to the front and, and I won the race. I made the last lap pass over Bubba Brooks to win that race with old used tires. We weren't even there to win. You know, that race really meant nothing to me because I wanted to win the outlaw portion of that event. You know, so now I have two class trophies. I always wanted that big class cup. I wanted that little, you know, they give you that driver looking statue. I wanted those trophies and I want my name to be on that other trophy that sits at speed manufacturing all year long. So has, has, uh, how do those things sleep? Are they okay? Do they sleep all right in the bed? Yeah, yeah, my wife is not a big fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they, they, they were, they, you know, I have a little shelf I put my cell phone and stuff on in the living room area, and, and they were there. You know, they were close, but they were not in the bed. That's funny. So i got to ask you about, and this is the last thing I have, Rich, and then I'll turn it back over to you unless something else comes up. Um, you did make a post on social media, and I want you to kind of tie some things together for people who maybe are new fans or uh, just aren't sure. Um, you posted a picture and said that uh, you're pretty sure these two guys are having a great time today celebrating what was accomplished last night. Um, and this is a picture of, of you and, and a couple of gentlemen that you're talking with. Tell us who those people are. Yes, yeah, so this makes me a little emotional. Um, that's my grandpa and my dad's dad in the wheelchair in the picture. And then my uncle, Kurt, um, he just passed away from cancer about four months ago, five months ago, six months ago, something like that. Um, my grandpa passed away a couple years ago. Then my uncle passed away from cancer. 
And then, you know, you got um, Terry Seneca Sr. Um, just passed away a month ago from cancer. And then, you know, Kevin Spicer, you know, a good friend of, of mine and Terry Seneca's worked at Seneca Performance, was good friends with Terry Sr. You know, he had some blood clots and some and stuff going on a couple years ago, and he died, he died, you know, at a young age, 42, 43 years old. Um, you know, those, those guys, you know, my uncle and my grandpa, of all people used to race at the Grand Rapids Speedrome. You know, I wasn't even born yet, right? He was racing. He started this for me, right? Um, so that's a big thing for me um, to be able to win the Clash. My grandpa always came to the Clash. It didn't matter if we, if we had a shot at win or not. He was always there to watch and to support. And he always went to Berlin when he could. You know, so that was a big thing for me. And, and, and if you guys don't know me, I don't post on social media very often. My social media stuff is run by my wife. My racing page is done by my wife. That's not me. Um, I'm, I'm in the shop working on the cars doing that. I don't do the social media thing, but I, I had to post that yesterday because that was near and dear to my heart, you know, that those guys weren't there for my clash win. Brian, we talked after your Joy Fair Memorial 100 win and, uh, you know, you, 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 you made it no secret on what races were important to you. Uh, you now have a few of them in your back pocket. Any time for re- reflection? I know it's only been not even 48 hours yet, but uh, but your bucket's starting to get pretty full. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, and I did another interview earlier, another podcast tonight, and they asked me the same question. You know, um, I still want to win a Glass City, whether that's in a template car or it's in an outlaw car. I love to prefer it being an outlaw car quite frankly um but we are building the template car we'll have it ready next year for sure you know so there's an opportunity there you know um but you know like i told them guys like this, you know the, the marquee events at berlin the money in the bank the battle at berlin you know it's in it's in my backyard 30 minutes from my shop you know um those events you know would be big and then i and then i talked about you know i'd love to go to the snowball derby whether it's in the modified or a template car you know maybe the snowflake whatever go run one of them big races in Florida and, and be a part of that. You know, whether we run well or not, I don't think it really matters. Just be a part of that and, and, and take it all in, you know? Do you, uh, do you go back to the clash again? Do you try for more or is it a, uh, we finally did it now. <laughs> Maybe we just show up with a cooler and, or come with a modified or, I mean, do you, do you try to add on to this uh, legacy at the clash or are you happy with the one? And now you go back to being a fan. You know, to me, you know, Terry and most people don't know this, Terry Sennett and I are really good friends, you know, um, really close friends. And I asked him after the third or second one that he won, I said, is it still fun? And, you know, he's like, it's the best race ever to win, and I want to win as many as I possibly can. <laughs> and I didn't I didn't understand that at the time because I'm like, hey, you just won the biggest race. You just won 25 grand. You won 20 grand, you know. I see it now. Like, I understand, like, it's it's – that race is the biggest race ever, and yeah, I want to be on. I want to win six of them so I can be five, right? Um, I don't know if I have that many years left in me. Hopefully, I do. But you know, um, it, it's the ultimate race, and I want to win more. You know, I'd like to go back to back on that race now. You know, um, it's just it, it's giving me more drive. Sad to say, it's giving me more drive to go win more of those races. So. Brian, it's pretty cool. Uh, we appreciate we, we appreciate you coming on here after these big wins uh, and talking to Zach and I here in Horsepower Happenings. But man, I'm going to give you a chance now to give a shout out. Uh, you know, I, I bet there's a lot of people that are that that are partially or fully responsible for getting you to victory lane on Saturday night. Yeah, there is, and and it's tough to thank them all. You know, I I actually ran the class 15 times before I won it. 
Um, so I got a lot of people to thank for that. You know, um, my first ride there ever was Rick Van Houten and he doesn't listen to this stuff. I'm sure, you know, he's probably out of racing for years now, but you know, big thanks to him for letting me race my first ever clash, you know? Um, and then and I got my, my current sponsors, four great trucking, Mark Flairman, you know, Seneca performance, Terry Seneca and Heather, they're great, you know, good friends of mine, you know, Ernest performance, Brandon and I are great friends, you know, power shoe, sweet manufacturing is always on my car every year, you know, Michigan marking. You know, and then A&D Designs, they do a great job keeping the cars looking great, you know. And then my crew, you can't race multiple cars a year and do what we do without a, without a huge crew and a lot of help, you know. So, you know, my dad's my biggest supporter. He got me into racing when I was little. You know, my wife and my daughter, you know, and I'm sure, Rich, you know, you know, every time we went at Flat Rock, she's the first one there, you know. Um, She's a, she's a big supporter of mine. My wife, too. You know, the, the class was a tough one for all of us because it's the one race we always wanted to win. And to finally get that and celebrate victory lane was big. You know, um, Jake and Dano, Mama Sue, you know, Mark Flairman again. You know, JoJo, he's a big help. Ron, my tire guy. You know, the Cricks, Luke Crick is a big friend of mine. I do his shots and stuff on a template car. You know, Logan and Kristen and, and my buddy Hoopy and then my buddy Rob. You know, those are the guys that really helped us all. You know, I'm not saying they all help out every week, but they help out when they can. And, and you can't do this, what we do to the level we do it without help. It's just not possible, you know. Um, I have a great crew, and I probably have one of the biggest crews at the track every week, and, and I'm thankful for that, you know. Um, I don't have to worry about much other than making the car go fast and doing the driving part. I don't really have to touch it at the track. I got three guys for that that do that, you know, so it's, it's awesome. Well, cool, man. We appreciate it. It was it was awesome to watch. Uh, uh, the race fan and me would have liked to have seen Mark get to you with a little more tire. I think you two would have put on a, a really good show racing each other. Uh, but it was also cool to watch you uh, kind of, I don't know, Rich, is, is dominate that race? Is that too strong of a word to use? I don't know. I, I've said this, me and Brian have had this conversation before, and I said, man, you got you know, at, at Flat Rock, I think it was back in May, it said, I said, man, you got there in a hurry and took off, and he says, I was just kind of cruising the whole time. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, uh, you know, he, I, he, I think he needs some competition to get him kind of lit up under the seat or something. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Well, Brian, man, nonetheless, uh, I, I, it was, it's awesome to hear and see what this race means to you. And, uh, you know, none of us will really understand it because, uh, well, not many of us will understand it because there's not many of us who are listening to this who are going to get a chance to be in your shoes and, and be a Clash winner. So congratulations on that, man. Thanks for taking time to chat with us, and, and good luck the rest of the season, man. Like Rich said, you got some big races coming up, and um, you know you might be one of the hottest outlaw super late model drivers in the state of Michigan right now. So uh, it's going to be cool to watch. Yeah, thank you, guys. I really appreciate coming on the show, and I love you guys' show, and I appreciate what you guys do. This is big for short track racing, and in, in the whole state of Michigan, really, you know, it kind of gets everybody around the state knowing what's going on, and, and it's awesome. All right, Brian. Cool. We appreciate it, man. Good luck this season. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Well, always a pleasure to catch up with Brian, and uh, I, it just – you never – I'll never understand, Rich. I don't think you – I think you probably can say the same thing. We'll never really understand what it means to compete for a clash win – or to, I know that you'll never understand what it means to win a clash. Um, this, you can hear it in Brian's voice, though, how important that was. Yeah, he and Brian. Um, Brian's probably, to be honest with you, uh, of a lot of the drivers, I've probably one of the most more emotional guys inside um, than a lot of the guys. Some are 
they're just routed. They, you know, they won. They're yelling, screaming, and he was screaming when he. Because oh, I yeah. told you, we saw him got, climb up on the roof too. The victory lane. I said, "Look down there, look down there," and we saw him. We, at least we got him to cl- saw him climb up on the roof, and um, boy, was he thrilled. But uh, he's really, you know, I've I've gotten to know Brian more and more over the last few years, and and he's just so he, he's easy to talk to, and he's just such a down to earth person. And um, you really want good things for people like that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, let's talk about some other guys who got the job done this weekend. Congratulations to uh, Derek Hilliker, an exciting UMP late model feature win at Tri-City Motor Speedway on Friday. Did you see that video that's uh, circulating the Internet, man? That was a darn dandy good one uh, at Tri-City Friday night. I kept I kept looking at it. Is it over yet? Nope, not yet, <laughs> not yet. Yeah. You know, I thought Cody had it at one time, and then nope, that wasn't going to be. Uh, Dylan Newsbaum, did you see this video? Dylan Newsbaum, Saturday at Butler. I did not see the video. You want to talk about last, you know, some people say, oh, I got him in the last lap. Uh-uh. I got him in the last corner. Nope. Dylan Newsbaum did not lead this race until the last 100 feet side-by-side side with uh, with Mr. Todd Sherman himself at the line, and uh, Newsbaum edged him by about the, the length of the front clip of that dirt car UMP modified. Uh, so that was an exciting one. That video is pretty cool as well. Saturday night at Butler, uh, the big win for Dylan Newsbaum. Yep, and, and Zach, a, a young man we're trying to keep an eye on because he's just starting his racing career. Uh, Carter Schlenk picked up win number three of the 2023 season in the sportsman division this weekend at Oakshade Raceway on Saturday. And then Trevor Berry would grab the Midwest Modifieds Tour win at Birch Run on Saturday as well. That's right. And now let's talk about Friday night. Uh, I I had some plans on Friday night that included Sprint Cars and Hartford Speedway. Always an exciting time to get back and see Tim and Leah Dibble. The Great Lakes traditional sprints alongside the Great Lakes super sprints for a double sprint car header Friday night at at, uh, Hartford Speedway. And here's how things shook out. For the feature event, Brian Ruhlman started on the pin and would lead every lap of the feature but it wasn't that simple, Rich, and I say every lap, maybe minus one, because disaster struck for Ricky Lewis, the uh, Oxnard, California native, tracked down uh, Ruhlman and was just kind of reeling him in, reeling him, reeling him in, and he got the lead on a big slide jump through turns three and four, had the lead at the stripe, but going back to turns three and four the next time around, Rich, brake failure on the number 41. He backed it into the outside wall. Dustin Daggett, nowhere to go. He slid in sideways into the side of Lewis. So Daggett's just dismal season continues, even in the non-wing car. Uh, it also collected Colorado Springs, Colorado's Aiden Salisbury, who was there as well. He got into that one. Uh, bad night for Steve Irwin as well. Irwin got up on the wheelie bar in turns one and two, hit a rut, popped a wheelie, drove into the inside wall, ripped the whole front suspension out of his flying zero machine. He came to a stop and was part of a caution flag. Uh, late restart, Brian Ruhlman, the Clark Lake, Michigan driver, had to deal with Hudsonville, Michigan's Jay Steinebach, who was on the move, Rich, and may have had something for Brian but a Hoosier racing tire was going down on the 10S machine, and he started to fade late in the race. Brian would go on to win. Steinebach would settle for second and hang on with a charging Max Frank, trying to get him at the line. Steinebach started fifth. Frank came from ninth to finish third. Brian Smith, the Fremont, Ohio driver, making a rare non-wing start, he came from 11th to finish fourth, and Mike Ostroskis rounded out the top five. Now on to the Great Lakes Super Sprints winged portion of the night. 
front row looked like this. It would be Corbin Gurley and Max Stambaugh who would lead the field to green, and it would only take one lap for the Elida, Ohio driver to find the front of the field, but he would have to deal with the Ohio gas man and two-time feature winner with the Great Lakes Super Sprints, Phil Gressman. Stambaugh had a big lead, was comfortable at the front of the field at Hartford Speedway until they got into lap traffic. That allowed Gressman to reel him back in. Gressman got as close as two car lengths down the back straightaway at one point, but Stambaugh was able to get rid of lap traffic quick enough to open up a sizable advantage over Gressman and looked to be well on his way to victory. Even saw the checkered flag flutter in the air before the caution flag was thrown instead for Brad Lamberson, who had cut a right rear tire down. Stambaugh would have to deal with a green-white checker finish. No problems at all. He drove away from Phil Gressman to pick up his second career, uh, second w win rather of the season, and uh, first one here in the state of Michigan with the Great Lakes Super Sprints North. Phil Gressman would hold on for second. Tyler Rankin third. Corbin Gurley slid back to fifth, or excuse me, to uh, fourth. A nice top five finish finally for Dustin Daggett. Double D finished in the fifth spot. Uh, nice top ten for Chase Ridenauer. Mike Keegan seventh. Jason Blonde eighth. Ryan Rule ninth. And Reese Saldana rounded out the top ten. Time now, Rich, to uh, fulfill this part of the show. Of course, we couldn't do this last week because Jim Denhammer came up to me in I-96 and said, how are you going to do this home pro hammer thing if everybody's racing on Monday night? And I said, Jim, I don't know. Thanks for ruining my weekend. And so uh, we just pushed it back one week. It's uh, time to talk to the Home Pro Hammer of the Month for the month of June. This guy has raced uh, 28 times. It would have been 27 for the month of June. 27 times with a feature win, uh, 14 top fives, and 19 top tens in that span uh, since the beginning of the season. And he's from Lima, Ohio, or Elida, Ohio, rather. It's our pleasure now to welcome back onto the program Max Stambaugh. Welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Hey Zach, what's going on? Hey man, uh, glad to glad to get a chance to talk to you, and uh, you know, congratulations on this Home Pro Hammer of the Month deal. Um, you know, we kind of look at how everybody's doing and everybody's performances, and it's like, where's the consistent person? And and man, you have been consistent really since the whole season started. But then you go back and you look at June, right? Fourth place, third, fifth, second, seventh, second, third, second. And then, uh, you know, things didn't go your way at Waynesfield, but that was in July, so that doesn't matter. Um, just what a crazy start for you in 2023. Crazy good with just one win, though. I mean, how, how has that been, right? You guys have been so consistent and so fast, but that one win in that column up until uh, last Friday, how has that been for you guys? How has your team been taking that? Yeah, you know, it's. I think a win right now in sprint car racing anywhere is – you know, really difficult to get one. You know, we, we got one at the end of April in Tennessee. And, and like you said right there, you know, I, I feel like we've been in, you know, the consistent side of it. Like we're in the hunt every night. Um, you know, my guys have been working really hard to, you know, get us better every night. And, um, you know, we, we ended up getting one there Friday at Hartford and, you know, Michelle drew the two. So I got to give her a little credit on that. <laughs> and I, you know, that's the first time I've started off front row all year. So, take advantage of that for sure and uh just just you know uh grinding um me and steve been working really hard and you know I, I think he's got a good balance in my race car right now and and things are going good you know one of the things that i hear a lot from guys who race with glss is how hard it is you know the the talent level right now is 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 higher i think than it's ever been the quality of equipment is better than i think it's ever been and you know you've had an opportunity to race for a couple of different guys in the span of glss's existence um and you're friends with a lot of these competitors i mean kind of give us an idea really how hard is it right now 
to to get a win, like you mentioned, in sprint car racing and even to run as consistent as you are. And I like to throw this nugget in. We've only had two repeat winners in the entire state of Michigan here in 2023. That was Phil Gressman and Jared Horseman. Uh, you're another first-time winner in this state in Michigan here in 2023. Just talk about how competitive it really has been. Yeah, you know, I think everything's pretty spread out. So um, the competition level right now between, you know, Horseman, Gressman, and, uh, you know, Lamberson stepped his game up quite a bit. You know, Ryan Rule's always a factor. You know, Danny Sams when he's around. The, the guys right now in the strength of field, um, you know, when Hickle come up a couple weeks ago and won, I think that was a really good test um, to show how, how tough we are. Yes, he won, but, you know, uh, I think we ran with him at least. And I think some people thought that was going to be, you know, a kind of a blowout. But um, to know that we're, you know, in the hunt and, and being with the fast guys uh, means a lot and shows a lot to what Barry's building. And um, I, 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 I want to say something, too, to the Hickle thing, right? Because he got in a home pro roofing car. And obviously you drive for Steve Smith and, you know, Steve gives you top-of-the-line quality equipment, but that just shows, right, because Ryan's running that same equipment. He's a force to be reckoned with. You know, you look at Tyler Rankin running with, with Greg and the equipment that they bring to the table and the equipment that Phil brings and the stuff that Greg brings, right? That list, you mentioned it. You guys are able to hang with those top-notch drivers who come in, and it's no secret, right? Shannon's given these guys brand-new everything to go out there and race. Um, well, you guys are able to hang with those top-notch drivers in brand new equipment, I mean, that is, like you were kind of mentioning, that is nothing to, you know, shake your head at. And I think you're right. J.J. Hickle doesn't show up at I-96. You probably are, you know, looking at two wins here in this, uh, three wins total at this point. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, um, you know, Shannon does have really good stuff. Um, you know, when, when J.J.'s in town, if he's in town the rest of the year, he'll be a threat. But, um, you know, Steve gives me really good stuff as well. And, and I feel like right now, um, the 71, ever since I started this ride, I would say right now, I think we're, we're the best we've been. Um, you know, obviously you want to win more races, but if you're in the top five every week, that pays the bills. And, and right now that's what we're going to keep doing. Max, I, I can't believe how this season is going. Com it, it's almost like a mirror of last year, except you threw that win in early. Um, last year, the whole going through all, I think it was till July or almost August, you were just clicking off the top fives again last year, and then you went on that run the end of the season. Is it is it ironic that it, that the seasons are kind of mirroring mirroring each other that way? Yeah, and and that's yeah, it it is kind of funny. Um, you know, I feel like sometimes you get yourself in a doubt in your head and your confidence, and um, you're like, man, I just can't win. I, you know, my redraw skills are terrible. Uh, my pill draw even is not good. I'm not racing good. You know, it just seems like nothing's going right, but then you sit there and say the results and you're like, well, I'm upset. And I got, you know, five or six seconds this year. And I only got two wins when, you know, people are just happy to crack a top 10. So sometimes you got to sit back and just, you know, I, I try to take the good and the bad and, and as it all goes in and, and just keep racing, you know, every night's a new night, you know, I won last week, but you know, we're going to Lima land Friday with, uh, you know, it's a, it's a whole new night and you got to forget, forget about last week. And talk to me about Friday. You said, you know, you, you draw the outside pole, um, and when any, anytime you guys go to Hartford, you know, it's, you don't know what kind of, what you're going to get, right. It, it could be a wild night or, you know, it can be a hammer down night. Kind of talk about your race. Yeah. Um, I, I felt really good in qualifying and, and then, you know, drawing the two, uh, we all were running around with our heads cut off there for a little bit because <laughs> we knew we started second and, 
I think the pressure was on a little bit. And, you know, I, I think getting out in clean air right now, um, you know, Phil caught me in traffic and, you know, Phil's a good racer. I mean, Phil's won a lot of all-star races back in the day and, you know, they do call him the Ohio gas man. So, you know, to be Phil and stay in front of him the whole time, I knew we were pretty good. And then, uh, yeah, just, just a real good night. Uh, the, the track was awesome. Um, hats off to Hartford. I know they've been putting a lot of work into, you know, that track and it's starting to show a little bit. Talk about too, uh, for those who weren't there, maybe don't know this, um, you're, you're entering turns three and four, probably getting ready to pump your fist out the side of that race car. And Brad Lamerson has a right rear tire expire um, in the same part of the racetrack. And, of course, the kind of general rule of thumb is if the leaders can get back to the flag without being in harm's way, let the race run out. But Brad was right there. The whole field is going to have to try to go by him without hitting him. Caution flag waves instead of the checkered flag. Um, was the language a little colorful under the helmet, or, or were you even upset about that situation? Did you know you had a car good enough to, to handle that restart? Well, I, I mean, yeah, it, it's, uh, it sucks that there was a yellow in the last lap, but, um, you know, my guys told me, I, you know, everything was all right, and I felt pretty confident in my, you know, our car Friday. So I figured if I got a good restart and uh, didn't do anything out of the ordinary, I, I figured I'd be okay. It's going to take him something, you know, him pull something out of, you know, his own deal to uh, get by me. So green, white checkered, it all worked out, and uh, everyone, everyone's happy. What is this setup now? We mentioned last year, right? You knocked the first one down, and then you went like three for four or something like that, or four out of five uh, on a little tear there. Um, do you have the same expectations now? To you know, now that you've knocked one down, should everybody be really concerned about that seventy-one H? Well, I'll, I'll say it on here, yes, but in my head, uh, you know, you just got to take every race. Uh, you know, every race is different, and the situation. You know, I could go to Lima Land Friday and and start 14th or 12th like we've been starting sometimes this year and, you know, just be happy to get in the top five. So right now the competition level, you know, if we, if, you know, on my goal at the beginning of the year was five wins. I, you know, I feel like that's fair. You know, if we can, if we can get ourselves in the position and, and uh, maybe Michelle, you know, draws the front row a couple more times. I think we'll click a couple off. You know, we're talking to Max Stambaugh, not only because he won Friday at uh, Hartford Speedway, but because he is the Home Pro Hammer for the month of June. And the Home Pro Hammer this season on Horsepower Happenings brought to you by Home Pro Roofing with locations in Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio. Home Pro Roofing is giving customers peace of mind, and they've been doing that for 50 years. They're proud to offer a 50-year warranty on all roof repair services, ensuring that customers have that peace of mind and confidence in the longevity and durability of your roof. And if you're just not sure, or maybe you've got a small section of your roof that is not up to snuff and where it needs to be, they offer roof repairs, inspections, and, of course, full-on installations and replacements. Uh, And odds are they've got a location near you if you're listening to this podcast. So check them out, homeproroofing.com, and, of course, let them know. Horsepower Happening sent you. Max, talk to me about uh, this, the the merger, uh, takeover, whatever, of NRA. Is that... I guess I'm assuming that's given you a lot more chances to race and against more or different competition, because I'm guessing if it was the other way around, you probably wouldn't be making as many trips to Ohio. Yeah. You know, and I think it's been a good thing. Um, I think three sixties are making a little bit of a comeback now. So, you know, getting to race in Ohio and uh, a little more again, and then uh, the Michigan thing as always is, has been good. Um, I think some people don't like it. Some people do, but, um the schedule he's got right now is you know pretty nice the next you know for well it's next month or so you know we got double headers and you know we get to go to atomic and you know we get to go to lima again and 
And uh, then you know, you Eldora's got like on the schedule too. What about what about that? Eldora's on the schedule. I mean, you you were there. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you were there, right? With the All Stars that year that you ran Rookie of the Year. Uh, what about uh, yep. how, how about Eldora going back there? Yeah, I'm I'm pumped for that. Um, getting to Eldora anytime for me is pretty special because I grew up there going as a kid. So I'm excited to get there. And and Barry's got a couple other races on there. I, I think I even got to go back to Silver Bullet in a couple weeks. Yes, you do. <laughs> I think that was that was where we started our um like, like you said a little tear so maybe uh silver bullet will treat us good again and uh we'll, we'll keep going from there you mentioned driving for smith motorsports and uh, uh you know how has that been i mean really how much do you enjoy driving for steve and and the stuff that he brings you well you know me and steve got a really good relationship uh we're we're definitely really hard on each other i think that shows and actually you were telling me I, I couldn't tell if you were joking or not but you were telling me you guys were you know and Steve even told me this too, is that you guys had a disagreement Friday at Hartford about what to do to the car before you went out there for that feature event. I mean, you, you guys are just both very passionate. You both want to win. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'll be the first one to say it was all Steve's deal Friday, but you know, it, it was a heat of the moment thing and you know, nobody means no, no harm on that, but uh, just the opportunity Steve gives me, you know, he gives me, you know, really nice race cars. Uh, he's got new tires on every night. You know, he, he wants to win as just as much as me, and, and I think that's why it's such a good deal is, you know, his passion for racing is about like mine. So it's a good deal right now. Things are things are going really well. You know, um, you know, want to try to win some more races, but uh, can't be upset with the consistency. And, Max, that's got to make you feel comfortable getting in that seat knowing or, or even out of the seat that you have an opinion on that car and you have a car owner that may or may not listen to you. But either way, it's a team effort, and – you don't have to worry about if I say the wrong thing, I'm going to be out of a job. Right. Right. So, you know, me and Steve, um, Zach's my tire guy, you know, Ty's the right hand guy. And, and my brother-in-law's actually been going again a little bit. So um, we got a really good group of guys. And um, the, the biggest thing about racing is it's got to be fun. You know, when I'm not having fun, I'm, I'm going to retire and get a camper and probably yell at Zach from the grandstand. So, um, <laughs> I'm going to no, what's going to happen is what happens is I'm going to give you a headset and a, uh, one of those sensor buttons and we're going to have some, a lot of fun up there. Well, yeah, you know, I, I think I could do the announcing <laughs> thing a little bit, you know, and I, might and, and I get to, re- then I get to, retire then Rich can finally retire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. But you know, and, and two, the other thing, what I love about this is, you guys talk about what you want to do, and, and the goal is to go out there and win races. And I was talking with, with you at Butler, and I talked with Steve at Butler, and he said, we kind of accidentally fell into this whole championship thing. Um, you guys weren't really looking to defend or even go after any championships when the season started. You just wanted to go race, and you went to some tour races. You start running the north. You start running the south. And, you know, we'll be damned if you weren't in contention for all three championships at one point. Yeah, and – and me and him do have an open mindset on the schedule. And um, for right now, with, with what we're doing and what the team wants to do, I, I would say the GLSS schedule fits us. So, you know, um, in the future, you, you never know what, what we'll do. But um, right now and, and what we're running, it's uh, it kind of fits all of our deals because, you know, we're weekend warriors. We all go to work every day and, and then get a play on the weekend and then may, maybe a little golf on Sunday. So it all <laughs> it all works out for everybody, and um, it's, a, it's a good schedule. So – you, you mentioned that and you mentioned how much fun you are having racing with Steve, but I got to wonder, is there any part of you that wants to, and I may have asked you this before, but I think it changes probably uh, in different parts of the season. 
do you miss, you know, hitting the road with the All-Stars? Or, you know, do you still want to, you know, Eldora Million, Million if that catches on and becomes a thing, or Knoxville Nationals, things of that nature? Are you Do you still have any longing to go to big big events or do any big touring like that anymore? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, obviously I think every racer, you know, wants to. Um, I was fortunate enough to do it, you know, there for a good two, three years, pretty much, you know, traveling, running 40, 50 races, and it was almost my – you know, you could call it a full-time job. Um, I think where I'm at right now, I'm, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at, you know, me, me and Steve are building and, and that's the thing is I, you know, we always say we're building something, but, um, I think it's starting to show is, you know, we're consistently in the hunt, things are going our way. Um, you know, we, we want to be together for a couple of years and, and do this right. And, uh, when Steve says he's done racing, you never know, maybe I'll say I'm done racing too. So, it's uh, it's a, it's good to because have he set the bar right. He's, he's set the bar really high now, right? I mean, if you're going to go try to run for anybody else, the chemistry that you found with Steve, the worksman workmanship that he you know puts into his cars and and the engine program and everything, it's going to probably be really hard if Steve decides that he doesn't want to own race cars anymore, but you still want to race. It's probably going to be pretty difficult to find something that's up to snuff. Right. Absolutely. Um, I agree with that. You know, it's uh it's, it's hard to find the right deal. I mean, I don't think people realize how much success Steve had before me, you know, um, you know, with Ryan and him, they won the championship, they won multiple races and, uh, him and Ryan did a real good job and, and Dustin Daggett's ran his car and, you know, just, just me getting the, you know, ride for now is, is awesome for me, but Steve's had a lot of success with other people too, back in his pavement days. And, um, I, I think that's why we're such uh, good together is, you know, I've drove for some people in the past and, He's had a couple other drivers that uh, maybe don't have many as uh, opinions as me, but uh, I think he's grown on that a little bit. Max, talk to me about talk to me from inside the driver's helmet a little bit. Um, we we had mentioned this was about the time last year when you when you picked up that first win and went on a tear, um, and you realized that. Uh, how how much confidence really going into the last part of the season did that win at Hartford? Does that give you? Well, it helps a lot, you know. I, I would say the confidence on our race team right now is really good. Um, I, I don't think we were losing confidence. I, I, th I just think we needed that breakthrough win and I'm um, fortunate enough to get that Friday and um, confidence is big. You know, look at Gressman. He, he knocked two of them off there in one weekend. And, um, you know, he, he's really stepped his game up a lot. And, uh, you know, like you said earlier, Rankin's been really fast and uh, just, just that one win gets you over the hump. So we're really looking forward to this last half of the year and, you know, I don't even know how many races are left, but, uh, you know, just, just going to keep going every night. You are, you know, we mentioned this at the top, 28 races, 20 top 10 finishes. And when you look at your schedule, Max, uh, and you go through and you try to say, okay, well, where were those races that he finished outside of the top 10? Um, two of them were A-Main starts at East Bay Raceway Park. Uh, of course, one of those nights did end up with you finishing runner-up. That, of course, was the uh, – everybody remembers this. We talked to you after that. The, the, the right the rear tire, tire – The tire. Tire gate. <laughs> the, tire gate. <laughs> uh, the other one was uh, you, you had – I think you had some engine problems or something in the B-Main at, at Lernerville. You, you didn't make it. Attica Raceway Park early in the season, uh, you weren't able to make it out of the B-Main. Atomic early in the season, you weren't able to make it out of the B-Main. Um, I mean – you have to go a long way back. Lima Land in May, you uh, were outside of the top 10. I mean, so 
when we're talking about times that you haven't finished inside the top 10, they have been huge stages, they've been big races, and it's been something silly that's kept you from finishing inside the top 10. I mean, it's just been a really banner season for you up to this point. Yeah, you know, and, and um, you know, towards the end of the year, you know, hopefully we can uh, go go run some bigger races and, and put ourselves in contention. And, and uh, you know, that's obviously the goal. Um, but, uh, for right now, you know, we just, just keep clicking them off. Like you said, you, you try not to think about it a whole lot, but I do when I get to talk to you. So, you know, that's not a bad thing either. And, you know, maybe if I can get a couple more hugs by the end of the year, I'll be happy. Which to. is how the whole hug thing started, by the way. I don't want anybody coming to me and saying, Oh, Zach's got a favorite. It's max. Uh, you got tired for people who don't remember, you got tired of us on our platform saying, Oh, Max didn't, Max didn't win. You know, uh, Max Stambaugh still looking for his first win. Uh, this was back, I think, when you were – I can't remember who you were driving for. I'm, I'm pretty sure you had support from Shannon uh, and Home Pro was on the side of the car. Um, and you finally busted through at I-96 and basically assaulted me in victory lane. You grabbed me and gave me a great big bear hug and said, there, quit telling everybody I haven't won uh, because it is important. I mean, it, it, that's how important it is to you to, to get that, that accomplished and you know be a part of that, that group of people who have gone to victory lane. Well, first, you know, I, I would hope I'm your favorite driver. You know, you, you got to show a little favoritism. Come on now. Uh, I can't. What do you say, Rich? I, I got to be one of your favorites, right? You guys, you guys, you guys are making me upset. <laughs> Rich, you, you are you are one of my favorite home pro hammer dirt went spread drivers of all time. How about that? <laughs> uh, no, I, no, we, I run for president now. Yeah, that's right. That was a good answer. But you know, that is. And, a, and if, you, if you remember, Zach, it was the redraw. That you kept telling me I didn't win yeah. the last TLSF win was like a year ago or You're something. Right. You said it three weeks in a row when I was getting interviewed in front of everybody. <laughs> you are right. Yeah, I was putting you on the spot, and it worked. You know, it only took you three weeks to figure it out, but it, it worked. Uh, rest of the schedule, you mentioned Silver Bullet, uh, going to Lima Land, uh, Atomic. I think that's a really interesting one. Back to I-96 where you've been strong. Fremont, Tri-City, Eldora, kind of the odd ones out. Where do you circle on your calendar now? Uh, obviously, we get another trip to Hartford in September. I think probably that one's an automatic. Um, Friday, August 11th, we'll go back to Hartford as well, so two more trips back there. But anything else on the schedule when you look ahead that you think, yeah, the, this 71H probably should go to victory lane there? Yeah, you know, I, I really think the rest of the schedule looking at it is, uh, you know, it's going to be really nice. Um, like you said, the Atomic race, you know, they haven't had a 360 race at Atomic in a long time. Um, I've, I've had some really good runs down there, but I've also done really bad down there too. So I'm um, looking forward to that. Um, definitely the Eldora, you know, and, and Tri-City, you know, Steve's really good there. Um, I haven't been there in a while, but uh, you know, 96 and stuff. I, I feel like we're getting better at 96. Um, I don't think I've ever ran the bottom that much there, but I, I sure <laughs> seem to run it now a little bit and uh, seems to be working for me. Well, so, yeah, you lost a race on the bottom at, at 96. Greg passed you on the bottom. Now you got to make sure you protect it. Yeah, I, I remember that race. Trust me, Greg reminds me all the time. <laughs> of course, he does. Uh, man, this is this is cool. Uh, you know, we we could chat all night because uh, you're not one of my favorite drivers. So uh, if we had alcohol involved, I think we'd probably sit here and just BS all night. But let's talk uh, about who it is that makes it possible. You guys picked up some new support this year going into the season. I know that was big for you. Um, so go ahead and and take care of a little marketing right now. Let us know who got you to Victory Lane on Friday. Yeah, just, uh, you know, Smith Motorsports, Steve and Michelle, give me uh, an opportunity to go out and, and do this. And without them and the opportunity, um, you know, I'd probably, you know, banging on my dad's door or my own door <laughs> trying to uh, get enough money to go racing every weekend. So 
you know, TC Power Sports, Jerry's always excited. Um, he, you know, he got a hold of us Friday night. He's got a lot of good things going on right now. Polaris Off-Road, uh, Shark Bike Fittings. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing. You know, Steve's race team is what it is now. Um, I don't think he ever thought he would get this big of, uh, you know, of a team as he has. And uh, it, it's starting to really show, you know, how good his equipment is. Max Stambaugh, 71H, Steve Smith Motorsports uh, driver, is your June Home Pro Hammer of the Month. And, of course, that's courtesy of Home Pro Roofing. Max, man, congratulations on an outstanding month of June. You kick off the month of July with a big win at Hartford. So uh, i tell you what, good luck the rest of the way. I don't know if you can win twice. Uh, I don't know. Shannon and I didn't really lay out rules and stipulations. But uh, if July keeps going the way that it started, we might have to talk to you again. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me on here. Um, you know, Shannon putting the money up for the fuel card and stuff is uh, very cool. He's uh, always supported racing, and uh, Rich, it's always good to talk to you too. Always a pleasure to talk to Max. Uh, you know, he's he's another one of those guys who we have a lot of fun with, and uh, he always gives us time if we ask. And I, I got to tell you, you go down to the pits, and they are so relaxed. They know, yeah, we're not winning, but guess what? We're finishing races, and we're finishing in the top five almost every time we unload. Those guys are in a good spot right now, and that's dangerous for everybody else. Is it? And like I like I asked him, Zach, isn't it amazing how this year is kind of mirroring last year? It is. I mean, with the consistency, and that doesn't mean oh my gosh, you just. I mean, any, anybody could flip it, right? Right. Flip the script and say, oh, he just can't win a race. But man, last year once he once he won a race, he went on a roll at the end of the season. Um, they are performing. I would rather have consistency and throw in some wins here and there um, than win a few races and have some DNFs. Consider, win a few races and have well, some DNFs. And that's what I was going to say, too. Consider this. A younger Max Stambaugh may not have this many top tens and top fives because a younger Max Stambaugh may say, I'm going to do this to try to win and ends up with a junk race car. Instead, he says, yep, this is. I, I got a third-place car tonight. We're going to bring it home third. And, yep. you know, that's going to lead to, at this point, I mean, you y'all can argue with me if you want, but I'm looking at Max Stambaugh as a back-to-back uh, -back champion of the Great Lakes Super Sprints North at this point. I mean, Phil's going to give him a run for his money. It's it's going to be between Stambaugh and Phil Grassman unless they both quit showing up. Um, but I, I think Stambaugh is, is going to be tough the rest of the year. Well, I can say it for the third time. That's why you got to run them all, Zach. That's I mean, right. I mean, anything can happen. You don't know what's going to happen, but he's setting him up for something like that to go back to back. And it wouldn't surprise me if he did. That's right. Hey, let's talk about it. The month is finally here. It is July, which means coming up here in just a couple of weeks on a special Wednesday, we invite you to Corrigan Oil Speedway up in Mason, Michigan, or down in Mason, Michigan, depending on where you're from, for the Bob Finley Memorial Outlaw Super Late Models and Modifieds. That's it. Two divisions, two premier classes, two fantastic shows. Outlaw Super Late Models will race for almost Almost $6,500 or over $6,500 to win. Uh, what is it? Sixty-seven, sixty-seven. Uh, I believe is uh, the winning uh, amount for that Outlaw Super Late Model race. And then goes down in really, really nice increments plus lap money that's being put together, Rich. Um, the Bob Finley Memorial at Corrigan Oil Speedway is going to be one of the, um, you know, it, it may not have the biggest dollar amount in Michigan this year. But it's going to be one of those can't miss races for 2023. Yeah, I believe so too. I think, and I can't wait till we start getting an idea of, you know, when, when we start talking to these outlaw guys, they're like, "Yeah, I'm going. Yeah, right. I'm going. Absolutely, I'm going." So we'll have to see in the end what that entry 
uh, list looks like. But I think we're going to be very impressed. I think so, too. So don't miss it. Wednesday, July 26th, Corgan Oil Speedway, a special Wednesday night program. Uh, maybe ask if you can come into work a little late on Thursday. But I'm telling you, with two divisions, it should not be uh, that long of a show. It's going to be a great program nonetheless. Uh, come on out. Check it out Wednesday, July 26th. And this message, of course, brought to you courtesy of Northside Towing of St. John's, the new and uh, your home for light, medium, and heavy-duty lifting in St. John's. That's, of course, the new venture for Chad Finley, Northside Towing of St. John's. Check them out on Facebook. And uh, if you're ever in the area and you need something, whether it's a jump, you need gas, or you got that heavy piece of equipment that needs moved, get a hold of them, Northside Towing of St. John's. That is going to bring us, Rich, to the upcoming uh, events for this week in Michigan. And holy smokes, is it a big week. And actually, for Temple Late Model fans, it starts tomorrow. Not necessarily in our area, but it's a big race, Rich, that's going to have some names that we are uh, well aware of. The Slinger Nationals unloads tomorrow at uh, Slinger Speedway. That's going to be a good one. Yeah, what did I see? 42 cars pre-entered at Slinger? Several NASCAR names, right? Matt Kenseth is going to be there. I think Willie B is going to be there uh, among a, a slate of others who are going to be uh, trying to punch their name into Slinger Nationals history. Yeah, I have, a, I have a totally not committed, but I have the funniest feeling I may have the credit card in hand before <laughs> before 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Yeah, absolutely. And then the rest of this week, the Dirt Car UMP Summer Nationals Hell Tour comes to our region to end things out for this week, Rich. And um, this is exciting. A, a big week Thursday, Butler Motor Speedway will kick off the local flair. Summer National Late Models, $5,000 to win. Summit Equipment Modifieds will be there as well. And then Tim and Leah Dibble are really excited about this. Summer Nationals, $10,000 to win at Hartford Speedway for the Late Models. Summit Equipment Modifieds will be there as well, Rich. And they posted today, I thought this was clever, they posted today on Facebook, they said, Hartford fans only want sprint cars. Prove us wrong. We'll see you Friday for the Dirt Car Summer Nationals Hell Tour race. I think that racetrack has the potential to put on a good late model show, a really good late model show. It's so wide, you get two grooves, one that's kind of top, one that's really around the wall, and with the unique shape of turn three, I think this could be a really good show on Friday. Yeah, we've been we've been there with the American Ethanol Tour back back in the day, and and we had some good shows there. So I I don't have any doubt. Track prep track prep is going to be key for that whole night. It, like it like it is on any racetrack, that's what is going to be the key. Um, they'll want to want to keep some moisture in that thing, and and we'll just have to see. They they may be all right because we're supposed to have nothing but rain on Wednesday, and uh, so that ground could be well saturated. Uh, for that event on Friday. That's right. And then Saturday, Oakshade Raceway has the birthday race as part of their Summer Nationals UMP held to her visit. $10,000 to win for that one on Saturday at Oakshade Raceway. All three nights racing begins at 7 o'clock. And, uh, of course, check your local listings for ticket information and things of that nature. And then, Rich, Friday and Saturday, you and I get to work together once again this weekend. Yeah, that's pretty cool. The 57th Annual Greg Hubel Automotive Group Red Bud 400 down at Anderson Speedway, uh, ASA Stars National Tour. My first shot to work at an ASA Stars National Tour event. Uh, of course, between us, we've been doing Champion Racing Association for a few years now. But that'll be cool. Practice all day on Friday. And then uh, Saturday, the 50th anniversary ASA Racers Reunion and Luncheon on Saturday. Going to try to sneak into that. I know that's a pay thing. 
but uh, I want to go check that out. And then qualifying at 5 p.m. on Saturday, pre-race ceremonies kick off at 7 p.m. at Anderson Speedway. Just the Red Bud 400, no other divisions. We should be good to go. 400 laps at Anderson starting at 7.30. We should be out of there by 11.30 or 12 o'clock, right? That sounds about right. This will be my third Red Bud 400. I'm looking forward to it. I got to see Sammy Smith go to victory lane last year and Kyle Crump go to victory lane the year before. And the victory lane is unlike anything you've ever seen uh, after they win a Red Bud 400 because that race is so grueling. It's so intense. It's such a tough race. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Saturday, back up home, Owasso Speedway, race number two, the Outlaw Super Late Model Quad Crown Series. You mentioned this when we were talking with Brian Bergacre, $10,000 to win, plus pure stocks, trucks, street stocks, and compacts will be in action as well. Racing begins at 7 o'clock Saturday at Owasso Speedway for the Outlaw Super Late Model Quad Crown race number two. Does that cover it? Is that the show? Man. Wow. What a show tonight, huh? Uh, appreciate Brian and Max taking time out of their day today to chat with us. Appreciate, of course, uh, Andy and Phil and Mark, who talked to us after the Kalamazoo Clash on Saturday night. Appreciate the hospitality of Kalamazoo and everybody there as well. So that's going to do it for another episode of Horsepower Happenings. On behalf of Scott Mendon, who pays the bills, Rich France, my co-host, and uh, I'm Zach Heiser. That's pretty much going to do it. We'll talk to you same time, same place next week right here on Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening.